Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody. This is Tom Masters, and I'd like to welcome you to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And we have Dr. Hanscom in the studio today. Uh, Welcome uh, on this Monday after Thanksgiving. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate being here. Um, Yeah, this is a topic I've not really written about very much. It's about parenting, and it's something I'm actually stopping my surgical practice in December, actually, to pursue this next book, which is basically family and chronic pain and the impact of pain on the family, but also the patient and pain on the family. But this parenting thing has become quite a big deal, and it's been a fascinating awareness. It's been actually both enlightening, effective, but also Pretty pretty disturbing. And uh, you say pretty disturbing. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about what you've observed and what you mean by that. Well, we do know that in chronic pain that families suffer. There's actually research that shows that spouses trigger each other. And so we do know that the way the brain is programmed, by the way it changes every second, that you have parental behavioral patterns that are put into your brain they come either from your father or mother or both. And then in your new family, whether it's a partner or a spouse, whatever your new family is, those patterns play out. And so 100% of the time, it's just a matter of finding the exact sentence to ask the question on. We're finding out in clinic that literally 100% of people trigger each other. And so the triggering is a big problem. And so um, we know it happens between partners and spouses, but what I've seen which has been increasingly clear, is that the kids, the children, also become the targets. And the reason why it's become such a big deal for me now is I just spent Thanksgiving with my um, son and two-month-old granddaughter and two-year-old granddaughter, and also watching a lot of other young parents around their kids. Of course, these kids are gorgeous, they're beautiful, they're fun, they laugh, they mirror your behavior, they're curious. And so, obviously, almost every parent I know would do anything for their children and that's sort of true up to about age um, two or three or four. But somewhere between four and five years old, the friction starts, and then often, as you know, by 10, 12, 14 years old, it becomes a very difficult relationship. We do know from research that only about a third of kids have an environment that's completely safe, and two-thirds of kids, called an Adverse Childhood Experiences database, shows that two-thirds of kids are exposed to emotional, physical um, violence, abuse, um, neglect, um, drug abuse in the family, et cetera, et cetera. So it turned out in America we're not doing a very good job of parenting. But what's disturbing with the children, the parents of the adults, the kids are who they are, and I think the role of parenting is to nurture and help a child feel safe. We all know children or all of us thrive best in a place of feeling safe. Yet what happens is that these kids become targets of these parents' anger. And it's not right. It's not fair. It also is really detrimental to the family. And it's just been really disturbing to watch this happen on a consistent basis. And and chronic pain just exacerbates this situation in terms of the parent directing anger at the children? Right. Well, of course, in chronic pain, you're trapped. Anytime you're trapped by anything, whether it's relationship, finances, circumstances, or pain, why you have a legitimate reason to be angry and remain angry. 
The problem is when you're angry, it's about survival, which is a very self-centered emotion. And so the first question I, in fact, I'll just one example of this, uh, this huge, you know, 280-pound muscular guy, professional businessman, uh, was talking about chronic pain, had chronic back pain for five years. And I was asking him in the family, I mean, who's the brunt of your frustration? And he goes, my kid. And because usually it's the spouse or the partner. I said, really? He says, how old is your child? And he goes, 10. And I actually sort of lost a little bit. I said, look, your child's 10 years old. You're this big guy, adult. Why would you take your anger out on your 10-year-old? He says, do you like your child? And of course, everybody asks this question to him. They ask this question a lot now. They go, of course. I go, I go, why in the world would you ever yell at your child when you're in pain? So what I finally figured out is that, again, your parents' behavioral patterns are programmed into you. They play out in your new family. But you're also passing it on to your kids. So what you're doing, your kids' behavior is mirroring yours. So your children become your own triggers. In other words, what you're raising when you're raising children, you want them to be upstanding citizens and likable and whatever to live life. But you're also creating your own triggers. So the triggering from your children is just as powerful as a trigger from your spouse. And once you're triggered, is an irrational survival emotion, and it's, it's, it's really unpleasant. So the first thing I ask my patients, okay, look, you're the adult. This is a child. Why would you ever yell at your kids? And they sort of go, oh, okay. And second of all, I go, as a parent, somehow you feel like you're in the mode to give advice to your kids. How do you know your advice is correct? Because remember, it's your version of reality, not theirs. There's a book I recommend called Parent Effectiveness Training by Dr. Thomas Gordon. And his point is listening and becoming aware of your child's needs because the essence of abuse is essentially not understanding your child's needs or anybody's needs. So when you run over other people's needs around you, it can be a little bit of abuse or major abuse. But most people don't abuse people, whether it's partners or kids, purposely. When they're self-consumed with their own needs, they can't see the needs of other people around them. So what your child needs, by far and away, nothing else is really a close second, is to feel safe and nurtured. That's it. Then they'll figure out the rest of it on their own. So if you are having a, I don't care if you're chronic pain or not, this is really not about chronic pain. This is simply what do you do when you are angry to people around you? So what I ask my patients to do is just picture yourself walking through the door of your house and you're in a good mood, have a good time, sit down, have dinner with your kids, play with them. It's a wonderful experience. Life doesn't get better than that. But if you, what if you just had a bad day at work or you got a tax bill you weren't expecting or you had a difficult time with, um, with a claims examiner, et cetera, um, and you're upset and you walk through the door and even though you're not upset at your family, what do you think your family sees when you're angry? What do you look like when you're angry? So they hadn't thought about that much. So the first exercise I do is just, look, don't walk in the door of your house when you're angry. So I have a little mantra that I use for myself. And again, I'm not perfect either. I didn't do this like I would like to either. So I'm not trying to be, be lecturing here. But the reality is don't take action when you're reacting. In other words, you don't want to suppress the anger. But we've talked about through the whole doc project ways of process anger. So you don't want to suppress the anger, but don't walk through the door of your house if you're in a bad mood. The other problem is it's called intermittent reinforcement, is that the reason why fishing is so 
addicting because if you threw your line in the water and every time you pulled out a fish, people would really, it's called consistent reinforcement. It's that intermittent reinforcement that is so powerful it keeps people coming back to fishing. Well, it's the same way with anger. If eight times out of ten you're happy and whatever, and two or three times out of ten times you walk through the front door, you're upset, what are the kids going to expect? Your family doesn't know what to expect. So that anxiety around you coming home actually pervades the entire day. So you just have to get absolute in your commitment to not taking out anger on your kids. Also understanding your kids themselves are huge triggers. But guess what? When you're triggered, it's your responsibility, not theirs. You're the adult, not them. And the problem with anger is when somebody upsets you, it still feels like them. Even though, even though they just triggered a, an emotional reaction in you, it's 100% your responsibility, it actually feels like the person triggered you. So let's go back to your kids. So a 16-year-old kid, all sorts of issues come up as teenagers. Instead of having a human-to-human relationship around play, remember your kid is reflective of who you are. They're curious. They're active. They're energetic. It's a wonderful time of life, but it often turns into a war. But again, the war is way bigger than it has to be because of these triggers. These unconscious triggers are literally a million times stronger than the conscious brain. So stepping back in the picture again, you love your kids, do anything for your family, but you would never talk to a stranger on the street the way you often talk to your kids, right? So understanding the power of this unconscious reaction is really critical, and you intellectually don't feel good about yourself when you yell at your kids, or maybe you're so angry you don't even see it. So it's really a major issue, which I think is having huge implications for society as far as school performance, bullying, teen suicide, teen anxiety, has to do with this familial anger that exists. I think with everybody to some degree, it's just worse in chronic pain. Well, as you mentioned at the top of the show, it sounds like this is something that not only causes havoc in the family in the present time, but can be passed down to the next generation in terms of them mirroring the behavior that they saw with their parents, you know, the kids mirroring the behavior when they have families of their own. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the problem is it's really you can preach to your kids, you can lecture them, you should do this, this, and this. The bottom line is, first of all, they always talk about the first two or three years of life being the most critical. Some people say the first 12. But you can't have, you can't have intellectual conversations with your kids. What they're doing They're absorbing every action you do. And we've talked about the concept of mirror neurons. It's like kids mirror what's going on around them. So by age two, if something is upsetting, you get upset. Guess what? That's what you're teaching your kid to do. So intellectually, you know, it's not a great idea to get upset. It's a very powerful reaction. None of us can control it. In fact, you don't want to control being angry. It's a matter of, um, you know, again, experiencing the anger, but not taking action when you're when you're in a reaction. So you have to learn to be with the anger, not react to it, but also going a step further. So it's around awareness. What do you look like to your family when you're angry? What do you want them to see when you walk through the door? I mean, I want my family to be consistently excited. Dad's coming home. Um, my spouse is coming home. My husband's coming home. My, my wife's coming home. My partner's coming home. So you want a genuinely deep excitement instead of dreading what mood is he or she going to be in when they walk through the door. The other thing I also tell parents to do, which is hard, 
we also, we've discussed in the past, but not discussing your pain ever. So this is an entire topic we'll talk about here shortly. Did you make a decision to make your house a safe house that under no circumstances will you argue or fight with anybody, spouses or partners or children, in the confines of your house? If you get triggered, take it outside. So it's a huge factor is that you want to create a place on this planet that's perfectly safe, and when you're angry, it's sort of the opposite reaction. It's a big problem. The final thing that I want to finish up with here is, again, I'm writing a whole book on this here in the next few months, is I ask my patients not to give any advice to anybody in their, anybody in their family for a month, and hopefully indefinitely. Just listen. No advice. And they don't, they don't know what to do with that. We're all used to sort of giving advice, and somehow it seems like that's okay. But when you give advice, what you're really saying is that what you're doing is not good enough by my standards. And again, who's to say your standards are better than the standards of people around you? So anyway, I would like to finish off on that. Just to consider this, we'll actually talk about this again about the listening versus giving advice. So in summary, the bottom line is visualize yourself walking through the front door. What, how do you want to appear to your family? What's your family seeing on a consistent basis? Not most of the time. And the second thing is no advice. The third thing, which is sort of a complicated topic, is make a commitment to make your physical space on this planet, your house, place under all circumstances. Well, this has been really informative. I think uh, especially the idea that this is such a huge problem uh, in the country and it's and especially in households where there's a chronic pain patient. This, I think this is advice we can all take and, and use uh, to, to our benefit in making the home a safe place and making the home a place of healing, too. Um, right. Dr. Hanscom, I'd like to thank you and uh, invite our listeners to listen to me again next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the next episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.